Greetings, Timajulam. Karibuni sana tena. It's a blessing to have you guys here always. Um, now, last week's message was meant to be the, um, the last of the Hearing and Obeying God's Voice series. But today, I want us to consider one more. One more. Tunongeza one more into that. Um, today's message is a call to worship. And this is, I decided to make this as, a, as an extension of the message that we've been speaking about hearing and obeying God's voice. And I want us to be able to close this series by seeing where it is that we can very tangibly begin to practice obeying God. Um, and, and so today this message is really about that. Now, one of the things that has really stood out to me in regards to the feedback that we have been receiving so far from the series is that God has really been speaking to you guys uh, and he has been for a long time <laughs> right so it's he's been speaking and revealing himself to you to, 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 to many of you for a very long time um, and you know this is the gift of faith in Christ Jesus this is the gift of faith in him that we receive his Holy Spirit who comes to live within us and this is why you have been hearing God in John 10 27 to 28 it says that my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Right? Um, for those who are in Christ Jesus, it says in Romans 8, 15 to 16, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. <laughs> and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. His Holy Spirit brings about our adoption into God's family. This is why you are able to hear God speaking to you. It is because of his Holy Spirit who dwells within you. This is the reason why this has been made possible for you to even hear what God is saying to you. It is because of his Holy Spirit living inside of you. Right? In Jesus' farewell message to his disciples in the Gospel of John, uh, chapters 14 through 16, he tells his disciples that, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. The Spirit lives with us, and in us. Jesus did not leave us as orphans. That in the same way that the disciples were able to walk with Christ, that we are able to walk with the Holy Spirit, to be led by him, to hear from him. And this is through the Holy Spirit who is God. It is through the Holy Spirit that we're able to experience eternal life. That Jesus, this is the eternal life that Jesus died for us to experience. We're able to experience eternal life because of his Holy Spirit. If you remember, and I've shared this many times, that he who has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is 1 John 5, 12 to 13, that he who has the Son has eternal life. Has it. This is our present continuous, right? We have eternal life. This is a 
This is, this, is, this is not a coming state of being. This is a promise that is given to us. The promise of eternal life is given to us through faith in Jesus Christ and is made alive through his Holy Spirit. It is through his Holy Spirit that we are able to experience eternal life, that we are able to experience a rebirth, that we are able to experience this rebirth and begin to experience what I keep talking, my favorite topic, <laughs> Zoe, <laughs> eternal life, Zoe. He's the one that gives the believer the life that has been promised to us by Jesus Christ, right? And remember, we talked, the, the, how we left off in, in, in the last episode, we talked about, in the very beginning, we talked about, and we've talked about this throughout that series in terms of the, the rest, that there's a rest that we're being called into. There's a rest that we're being called into, which is basically about being led by the Holy Spirit. We're being called into a, a rest, a spiritual rest, and we've talked about this. And it is through the Holy Spirit that we're able to live the life that God has called us to live in Christ Jesus, right? And what we did last week is that we looked at a portion of scripture from the book of Hebrews. And this portion of scripture is actually being addressed to believers because the writer says, brothers and sisters, it is being addressed to believers and those who have placed their faith in Christ Jesus to not be like the Israelites, to not be like the Israelites. Now, this portion of, of scripture is, I, I want to read this whole chapter actually today because um, I know I read it last time and we, we talked a, 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 through a lot of things from last time. Um, but, you know, just uh, scripture is, is so beautiful because it says like, read the same scripture and God will, will give you a whole other understanding towards it. Um, which is so beautiful. Like it's just like you can read something and then all of a sudden you come back three months later, you read the same thing and it's just like get something completely different out of it, but still um, within the same context. It's amazing. It's amazing how alive God's word is. It's living and breathing. Now Hebrews 3 says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. In verse 7, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We may have we, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end, as has just been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who had and rebelled? Were they not all those whom Moses led out of Egypt? 
And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Now, the thing that is so amazing, incredible about this portion of scripture is that it is saying to us that there is a possibility, just like the Israelites, quote-unquote, at the time, God's people, to live outside of the very rest that God has prepared for those that have put their faith in Christ Jesus. It is possible for you, just like the Israelites, to live in a state of unbelief, where we, just like the Israelites, hear God, but our hearts are hardened towards him. That during the time of testing, the Israelites literally could not enter the promised land because their hearts were hardened. And as the scripture says, they had sinful, unbelieving hearts. And so you see here that twice the writer of Hebrew tells us that the Holy Spirit says to us, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, the thing that's so interesting is that the part where the writer says to us, today if you hear his voice, this, this writer of Hebrews, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, whether it's a, he or she, you know, who knows. Um, so we don't know who, who, who the writer of Hebrews is. But the thing is that the writer of Hebrews is quoting from Psalms 95, which says, which says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are, are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. In Psalm 95, it says, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. And in the, in the book of Hebrews, when the writer of Hebrews is quoting it, they say, as you did in the rebellion. But in Psalm 99, it says, as you did at Meribah. Right? So the word here that's so interesting is because what then we're able now to, 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 to understand is, what does it mean, this rebellion that the writer of Hebrews is talking about, because Psalms says Meribah. What is Meribah? The word Meribah literally means quarreling. And so what you can take out from this and the story of Israelites, right, is that they were basically being told that you need to stop your quarreling, your constant complaining and grumbling. Your constant complaining and grumbling. This, is the, this, this was the nature of their rebellion. The nature of their rebellion was quarreling. That even before, even when you look at the story of Israelites, even before we get to the place of the, 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 them making idols and, and forming a, an idol of a calf made of gold, 
God had already chocked this guy, Sana. <laughs> he had already chocked them. And the thing that he was so done with was their quarreling, their constant complaining and grumbling. And this is now here what the writer of Hebrews talks about, their rebellion. And in many ways, there are so many times where we are no different, where we are just like them. In fact, more specifically, I don't know about other cultures. Me, I grew up, I grew up in Kenya. But let me tell you, maze Kenya wana kwangana PhD ya ku complain. What? Come on, if there's if there's if there's peeps who know how to complain, this is your Kenya. Eh? About everything, right? I've had so many times, like, I even wonder sometimes, like, you know, you, you hear this so many times where guys are just like, man, Kenyans are just haters. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Kenyans, a lot of times, when I'm haters. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, this whole spirit emanates from, like, a complaining mindset, right? This complaining mindset, when I think about, like, when you go on social media and you see, like, ah, my guy, complain. Say, it's like the weather is cold. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, ah, this so-called complaining. The, you get, the, the sun comes out, we complain about the sun. Like, it's just like we're always constantly, like we've normalized complaining as just like, you know, hi, how are things? How are things going? Ah, you know, things are just, you know, ah, it's a bit ningumu. You know, things are, you know, the way things are. Like, we're constantly in a state of just complaining, complaining. Right? And not only just that, like, of course, this whole spirit extends into what is Meribah, where we quarrel against the Lord. You know, the dictionary defines quarreling as have a heated argument or disagreement, take, take exception to or disagree with something, complain or scold someone. These Israelites disagreed with God's way of doing things. We talked about this last week. They took exception to the means through which he chose to do his thing. They were like, my guy, why are you doing it like that? Where is, the, where is the food? Where is the water? Where is the... And they complained time and time and time and time again against the Lord. When things were good, they would rejoice and worship. You know, that's like, oh, we worship you, Lord. Thank you so much. But when there was any sign of difficulty, their first default setting was to complain and grumble. That was their default setting when things were not going their way. The default setting was to complain and grumble, to quarrel against the Lord. And this is what the writer of Hebrews calls their rebellion. Their rebellion. And this is the reason why they were not able to enter his rest. Is because of what they did in Meribah, quarreling. They wanted to tell how God how to do things. They wanted to be the ones to be like, why are we, why are we walking this, down this road? Eh? Shouldn't we have gone <laughs> this other way? Why is it that we are? Why, why is this Moses? Moses, why? Why is this Moses? What's happening here? Huh? Should we, should we know? I mean, even in Egypt, things were better. Hmm? We used to get Nyama. We used to get now here. Quarreling. Not knowing that Isaiah 40 and verse 13 and 14, which says that who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? Or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? It goes on to, the, to say in 27 verse 28, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired and his understanding no one can fathom. His understanding no one can fathom. Literally, what Isaiah is saying is that it is impossible for us to comprehend God's ways. We're talking about the ancient of days, the author of life. With whom can you compare God? How can you fully discern his ways? If they say like they, they, they say that the earth is like billions of years, right? That is, as I said, for billions of years, which means that you're dealing with a God, the God who created this earth that's billions of years. You're talking about someone who has like beyond, beyond the understanding that's beyond billions of years. Like we cannot fathom. We cannot fathom God's understanding. We cannot fathom God's wisdom. He's been there even before time ever existed. Now we're talking about a billion years. Like it's like, so how can we, who are his creation, begin to understand the depths of his wisdom? But what happens is, is that when we just like the Israelites get into a state of complaining and grumbling and quarreling against the Lord, it shows how little reverence we have for him. Because as soon as things don't go our way, as soon as things don't go in the way that we intended them to go, our default setting is to complain and grumble against the ancient of days. And like Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, again, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? And as it says, his understanding we cannot fathom. So rather than that solicit a sense of awe, instead we complain and grumble. We are blind to the fact. We are blind to the fact that in this current moment, in this current state, in just where you are right now, that you are drowning in God's grace and mercy. You are drowning in his grace and mercy. You know, I remember last year, I've mentioned this many times before, where COVID came and has had a very detrimental impact on our business. And I remember at some point, um, where we had reached a point where, for me, I was like, maybe this could be the end. We had um, some serious challenges that we needed to be able to overcome. And I remember being so frustrated because this is just overwhelming and all the challenges that were happening, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember being uh, going for a meeting and as I was headed for this meeting um, I was I was in the car literally crying <laughs> literally crying frustrated and just being like Lord how, where are you in this situation where are you frustrated in the car crying I had to, I had to really go and stop to get eye drops because my eyes were so red. I didn't want to walk into a meeting with red eyes. I was so just there, so frustrated, just like, Lord, where are you? Like, where are you? Driving towards this meeting. 
And now when I think about that moment, and I think about the fact that first and foremost, I'm here asking where God is inside a car that I am driving towards this meeting in clothes, very nice clothes that I was wearing. I had this really great trench coat that I'm wearing that I got from uh, from uh, Village Market that I bought some, some time back. That just that morning, that when I woke up, I was waking up in a house where I've literally, at that point in time, in that specific month, I had paid the rent for that month. I'd woken up in, in a bed, very comfortable bed with a nice comforter. Not only just that, like as I got out of that bed, I went into that shower and I turned on the instant shower and I was literally showering in this hot water. <laughs> How dare I ask where God is? I am literally in that very moment drowning in his mercy and grace and asking him where he is. Walking out of that house, entering into a car. <laughs> there are people here who are just like, who don't have that, that same privilege. And I'm asking, where are you, Lord? Not realizing that I am literally drowning in his grace and mercy. That I'm waking up with good health. That I had woken up being able to do the things that I was able to do. And sometimes we forget, and I know at that point in time, like I now think about it, and I, I just, I was just there like, Lord, I'm so sorry. Forgive me for being so blind to seeing just how much grace and mercy you have surrounded me with. That I'm not just swimming in it, I'm drowning in your mercy. I'm drowning in your grace. There's nothing here that I absolutely deserve, but you have given it to me nonetheless. Where are you? He is everywhere, all around. And this is why when you notice in Psalm 95, it begins. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. This is where we begin to practice our obedience. It is with our tongues. That as long as, as the day you are in is called today. That we ought to live that day with thanksgiving and praise. Why? Because our God is a great God. We are literally drowning in his mercy. We are drowning in his grace. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We are literally direct recipients of his tremendous grace and mercy. The writer of Hebrew is talking to believers, to brothers and sisters. And they are saying to us that we of all people, we of all people have everything to be thankful for. Everything. That through Christ Jesus, that outside of whatever it is that's going on in your life, that because of Christ Jesus that you have received so great a salvation. When you understand this, and I need you to understand this, that literally our existence on this earth, is literally like a grain of sand in the beach. Like when you think about the context, on average, a human being lives for, let's say on average, 70 years. 70 years in the context of eternity is like literally a grain of sand on the beach. 
when you think about it, it's beyond minuscule. And through Jesus Christ himself, himself, he comes and he tells us that there is going to be an impending judgment that is coming. That there will be a day that God will come and judge the living and the dead. That that time is coming. It is an inevitable occurrence. It is going to happen. And where this world will pass away and a new reality will emerge, where the word of God says that in this new reality, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus talks of it like a wedding feast and he says it's coming. And we are told that the reason why this day has not yet happened, the reason why it hasn't happened, why God has tarried, is because of his mercy, that he wants as many to come to the knowledge of his saving grace, but that day will come. And on that day, those who have put their faith in Christ Jesus will escape that fearful judgment. That fearful judgment that will come from the living God himself. And in this new reality, we are told in Revelations 12 and verse 4, where he says that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And it is through Jesus Christ that we literally have been saved from this impending judgment that is coming. The writer of Hebrews called it so great a salvation. He says that you have received so great a salvation. That literally that alone in itself, that we have been redeemed, that we have been saved because of Christ Jesus. But this is not, like that, that in itself is enough to say, glory be to your name, Father. Glory be to the name of the living God. But beyond that, that not only are we beneficiaries of such a great salvation, we are told in Romans 8 that through Christ, we have also been given the right, we have been given the right to call the Almighty God, the Ancient of Days, the creator of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, the whole expanse of the universe was made by him. That we, we have been given the right to call the ancient of days, the beginning and the end, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the most high God, that we have been given the right to call him dad, Abba Father. My goodness. Like already, the salvation, amazing. Thank you so much. But not only that, he gives us the right to call him Abba Father, to call him dad. This is the gift that Christ Jesus has given us. And that's not just, there's more. If that was not enough, if that was not enough, he freely gives us his Holy Spirit. So that now what happens is, is because of his Holy Spirit, meaning that like, it's just like, even if we say, okay, he, Jesus has now gone. He says, I've left you guys. If you believe in my name, you will be saved. Then he leaves, <laughs> right? Then we get to live the rest of our lives. Let's say, now me, I'm turning 40. I have another, let's say, 30 years, sorry, for 30, 40 years. So I get to live another 40 years just believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, being plundered by the enemy, whatever, but just knowing that, man, at least, at least there's a salvation that's coming. Not only does he do that, my, my friends, 
It says that he comes and he says, I won't leave you as orphans. And he freely gives us his Holy Spirit so that we would begin to experience this new reality that Jesus Christ has promised us. The reality of eternal life. There's a way that he promises us. That not, not, not actually when now we die, we, we get to experience that even now we begin to experience this whole, the presence, the, the active presence of God. He, it's not just that he came and he's like, Jesus is like, I'm going to send you my angels to come and take care of you. No, he says, I'm going to come, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to be with you. Not only is he going to be with you, he's going to be in you. And because he's going to be with you and in you, it means that this promise of eternal life is not a promise that's coming. It's a promise that begins now. That when you put your faith in me, that the promise of eternal life comes alive because of the Holy Spirit. That now you're able to experience vitality, progress, fruitfulness because of what Christ Jesus has done to the glory of God the Father. I mean, this is just incredible that God would demonstrate to us his intense, overflowing and unfathomable love towards us in that he literally humbled himself. He took on the form of his own creation. He took on the form of his own creation. And then he says, it says that he willingly accepted not only just to die, but a shameful death, a shameful death at the hands of sinners. If you remember the story where, when, 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 when Peter cuts off the ear of the high priest and Jesus tells the guy like, yo man, you clearly don't know who I is, bro. I can literally hear command 12 legions of angels to come and protect me. I'm that guy. And he willingly submits himself, the living God, to a shameful death to demonstrate his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he's literally showing us the living, immutable God that there's nothing he wouldn't do for us. He, he who did not even spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he together with him not give us all things, not some things, all things, that if he was willing to go to that extent, that this eternal love that he literally chose to literally seal, if God came and gave us the promise that, listen, I'm going to give you eternal life, don't, don't, don't panic, it's done. But he literally demonstrates this incredible love that he comes and he signs this promise, this covenant promise that he has given to us. He literally signs it with his own blood. My goodness. My goodness. Almost to tell us that my, 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 my people, even just to be called his people, I will never change my mind about this. And I'm going to sign this covenant promise with my own blood. With my own blood. My friends, we are drowning in God's mercy. We are drowning in his grace. We are drowning in his love towards us. And so the thing is this, even if you didn't get that job, even if the thing you've been praying for hasn't happened, 
even though your life isn't as you envisioned it. Even though right now you're going through a difficult season, you are in this very moment, in this very time, drowning in God's mercy and grace. Drowning in it. In spite of whatever is happening in your life right now. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. We are drowning in his grace and mercy. And so this message is a call to worship. To worship the living God. And to not be like the Israelites in Meribah. Quarreling and complaining. Not realizing that they were literally drowning in his grace and mercy. Habakkuk 3.17 and 18 says, one of my favorite portions of scripture. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Do not be like the Israelites. This is the warning that Hebrews the writer of Hebrew comes to, 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 to implore us. You have food to eat, clothes to wear. Your health is intact. You are living. You are drowning in his mercy. You know, Deuteronomy 8 from verse 1 to 5 says, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. This is him speaking to the Israelites. So that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. He literally fed them. He ensured that their clothes didn't wear off. Their feet didn't swell. He didn't even talk about the fact that he had taken them through the Red Sea or he had removed them from slavery or the fact that he had done all these many miracles. The fact that he had just simply fed them, clothed them, and made sure that their feet did not swell was enough for them to give him their utmost devotion. They did not deserve it. Friends, we who have put our faith in Christ Jesus are drowning in his mercy and grace. And so this message is a call to worship. This is where we begin the journey of obedience. With changing our minds about God. This is not about the fact that like, you know, Joe, let's praise him for the breakthrough. Praise him, my friend. <laughs> Even if today God does not do any breakthrough, nothing, you are swimming in his grace and mercy. You are swimming in that grace and mercy. When you think about all the things that you have done and still, here he is, patient, loving you, coming through for you, making ways for you. How mighty is our God. How glorious is his name. And so the thing is we approach his throne of grace and mercy. With a, with a, with a grateful heart. With thanksgiving in our lips. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. By prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. 
give thanks to the Lord, make petition, like uh, Mukui says, make petition with gratitude. Make petition with gratitude. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Give thanks to the Lord. How can you say, O Jacob, that he does not see you? He is the ancient of days. He is the living God and he sees you. And he sees you. But in this moment, we need to realize and not be like the Israelites and realize the God in whom we have believed in. He is the ancient of days. The one who created the earth and everything that we see. Give thanks to the Lord. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountains peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is God, and our and we are the people of his pasture. Let us worship the Lord today, and any day, like he says here, today if you would only hear his voice, any day that is called today, is the day to give him praise and thank him for who he is and what he has done for us. This is what the Spirit is saying to us and says to us every day that is today. So if today is today, if you're in a day that is called today, (laughs) right? The Holy Spirit is calling us to renew our minds. If the day is called today, it is the day to come with thanksgiving and praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Retire your grumbling tongue and humble yourself before the Lord. He humbles the proud. And what kind of pride to imagine to ask and to be like those guys, where are you, Lord? And not realizing that you're literally surrounded with his mercy and grace. We are drowning in his grace and mercy. So put aside your quarreling heart and worship the Lord. Give him praise today. And every day that is called today, we, we, we come with a grateful heart to praise the Lord and to thank him for all that he is and all that he has done because we serve a good, good God who loves us deeply. We are drowning in his grace and mercy. He chose us. We are experiencing an indescribable love that is the envy of the universe. And so today, worship the Lord. Learn to live your life in thanksgiving and praise. Train your tongue to worship the Lord and begin today. Begin today in Jesus' name. There's a friend of mine who, a few weeks ago, same thing happened, um, was in a place where they were looking at their life and feeling very discontent about their life. And my challenge to them was that, and basically when you were talking, they were just you know, complaining and grumbling about how their life has turned out, how they did this and they thought, well, God, where is God? Where is he? And I told them, you know what, for the next 30 days, I need you to just retire your complaining tongue 
and just go to God with thanksgiving and praise and gratitude for what he has done for you up until this point in your life that when you begin to recognize what it is that God has done just start there it's not been a month and checked in with this person and they're just like this thing has changed my life it's a game changer retire your complaining tongue today is the day to give thanks and praise to the God who has loved us and for whom we are drowning in his mercy and grace. If you're listening to me right now and you realize that as I speak that this Jesus that I speak of, you don't know him. And you find it in your heart that you want to be a part of his calling. That he says to you that for those who put their faith in my name, that they will experience eternal life. And you're like, I like that. I'm about that. The Jesus that I speak of you, even right now, it says that he's gracious to the righteous and the unrighteous. That you, even right now, recognize just how much of his grace and mercy has been present and surrounding you throughout your life. This grace and mercy, this unfathomable grace and mercy comes from the living God. And he says to us in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and I want to say this, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, and by whosoever, that when you believe in him, that you will not perish, but have everlasting life. That everlasting life is not something that is coming. It's something that starts from the very moment when you believe in Jesus Christ. And I want, you to, I want to invite you today. I want to invite you today to do just that. To place your faith in Christ Jesus. To believe in what he has done for you. And to basically give him the reins of your life. And to put your faith in his holy name. What will happen from that moment on is that he will fill you with his spirit. And he will guide you on a journey that will completely blow your mind away. This is the God whom we serve. And so if you are that person, I want you to be able to say this prayer with me. Because the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And this is what I want you to do today. Because you now have believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord. I want you to confess it with your mouth. And I want you to say these words with me. That Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. And I believe that you are Lord. That all things belong to you, including me. And so I submit myself to you. Come and be my Lord. Come and take over the reins of my life. And lead me to everlasting.
thank you for what you have done for me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. I trust in you and I put my hope in you. If you have prayed that prayer, I want you to know right now that what has happened is that, the, that an exchange has happened, that you are now a new creation. And at this very moment, in Jesus' holy name, may you be filled with his spirit. And through that infilling of his Holy Spirit, the journey of eternal life has begun in you. And God will transform you and change you. For now and all eternity, I welcome you into the household of God, my brother and my sister. Karibu sana to the family of God. God bless you. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.